Welcome to Dig Deeper with Denny and Jade. Our guest today is Hayden, director of Jelly Pepper. Did I get it right? Mm-hmm. Outstanding. That's it. And uh, he's a problem solver. Hayden. That is a very welcome. Very succinct way of putting my job title. Thank you. Please elaborate further if you can. <laughs> uh, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess the short version is that I am a creative director of uh, an agency. It's called Jelly Pepper. And the way that we like to refer to it is that we are a creative agency for disruptors, which is a bit of a la-di-da title. Ooh. But it is sort of wholesome. I guess what it means is the, the creative agency part means that we do... Uh, design and branding and websites and we create apps and all that sort of stuff uh, as an agency for tech companies so um some of our clients have been you know google westfield canva stuff like that and disruptive startups which basically just means startups that are working on either really cool shit or um just working on things in a really cool industry so uh we've worked with people in self-driving car technology artificial intelligence cybersecurity. Um, cryptocurrency drone deliveries that one was fun um, and yeah stuff like that okay wow there's so many questions to ask <clears throat> sure. I'm gonna start with the most capitalist one I could that I picked out of that one <laughs> how do I make money <laughs> <clears throat> well of course but it's more about understanding actually like when you're talking about crypto okay what do you do in the world of crypto essentially whatever we get hired to do so uh, a lot of the time uh, if we work with startups that are doing this sort of thing um, the, they'll be approaching us because they've just raised uh, a round of funding. So they've just raised a, raised a seed or series A round. So anywhere from, you know, 50 grand to, you know, um, well, I know some that have raised like a $2 million seed round up to, up to more than that, 50 mil, you know, for, series a or like for anything really, whatever right. they're working on. But, and then, and then what they'll get us to do is essentially, um, they know what they do as a company. It's like we, you know, we are producing a cryptocurrency or we're making self-driving car technology or whatever. But they don't know how to talk about themselves. They don't know how to market themselves, promote themselves, or they just have a really crap website. Mm. Um, and so we basically help them get from zero to one, essentially, and try to get to that next round of funding, raise a, a lot more money, and eventually become a unicorn. Wow. For so crypto, unicorn, is that a million dollar startup? Uh, a billion, billion dollar startup. Jesus, whoa, wow. okay. Yeah. So is it off. basically kind of, it's, it's more than just marketing then, it's just, it's sort of, helping companies to articulate what they do in the best way that they can articulate that? That's a good articulation of, okay. <laughs> uh, of what we do. But yeah, that's that's one part of it is like branding yeah. uh, strategy and identity. So the strategy part is, yeah, how do we articulate what we do and, and what our goals are and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then we turn that into an identity, so the logo, the colors, right. the fonts. Uh, and then we try to take do that stuff first if we can and then take that into, okay, how does our strategy and our logo and stuff turn into a website? How does it turn into a product? Um, or, or a video or whatever they ask us to do. Mm. Excuse me. <clears throat> Go ahead. <laughs> Have you raised the billion dollars or helped raise the billion dollars for a company? Um, we've worked with Canva, who became a, a unicorn mm-hmm. after we worked with them. We've, uh, I think the other, the two other closest ones are Bright and Braha. I think Braha are probably worth, I think it was $160 million now. That wow. we, they started off as being worth nothing. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bright, I think we came in at when they were worth, I don't know, they must have been worth around 20 million or something. And now they're worth, I don't know, 200 or something, 150, 200. So, wow. Uh, and that's through obviously a lot of hard, their hard work, but a lot of the work that you do with 100% them. 100% their, their hard work. We, yeah, we basically just try to, 
help them like accelerate their growth um you know through yeah. providing the foundations like augmenting whatever they don't have in their in their company so when you go into these companies is there a common thing that you that you go into and you sort of augment straight up is there similarities with most of these places when you go to work with them there are similarities in what we offer so um you know, we used to do everything as a digital agency originally because, you know, that was sort of the easiest way to, to just to get a lead and close mm. it, right? It's like, sure, we'll do anything you want. Mm. Uh, but over time, we've learned to figure out what we're really good at and then refine our services. So it used to be, I think we used to offer like eight different verticals of stuff, like graphic, print, video, whatever. And now we just do uh, four, I think it is. Um, so yeah, branding, product, website, and content. But how does that bring you into the world of raising capital, crypto, AI, like how does that bring you into that world? Because those four things to me, like when I hear that, sure. it sounds like to me you're just running, you're just doing like the lamb commercial. <laughs> yeah, uh, the best way I can, I can explain it is that whenever you create a company, whenever you create a brand, that's what your customers resonate with. It's like you're telling a story essentially. Um, and if you tell it really poorly, if you use the wrong words, if you have a really bad logo or a bad experience on the website, you know, you'll, you'll see them as different things. Like, okay, the logo is one thing, the website is another thing, and they can all be, you know, roughly okay. But to a, a customer, they're all the same thing. They're all the experience in the, that they're having with your brand. Um, so if, you know, the difference between a terrible company who hasn't invested in their brand in the, or their product and their experience and, you know, comparing them to something like Apple who literally spend all of their time refining their brands, mm -hmm. refining their experiences, their product, yeah. like you can see uh, that's how we generally paint the, um, you know, the opportunities that a good brand. Provides. So experience over product. I think they're the same thing. Um, you have to have a good product in terms of, you know, functionality mm. and design, but that that's interpreted as an experience. Mm. And I, I think it's also, correct me if I'm wrong, but also articulating what that product can provide or what type of experience it can provide. And I feel like maybe like you know you specifically said you work with disruptors and perhaps you yourself would have to be a bit of a disruptor yourself to be able to you know attract uh businesses like that as I'd, well i'd like to think so yeah uh, but, but yeah that is actually something that we're really trying to focus on now because we we for the last like three years we know how to make good products you know products that look good and feel good and we know mm. how to make them functional but something that we're sort of doubling down on at the moment is articulation so um brand strategy and copywriting so like coming up with a tone of tone of voice principles so you know if we talk mm. to the customer in anything in an email in a marketing ad on our website whatever what are the words that we do and don't use um how do we phrase everything like do are we inclusive are we approachable are we you know whatever and sort of um mm. creating guidelines for how behind how you speak to customers and so you know whenever they hear you talk on the radio or on uh, you know, if they get a pamphlet or on your website or even in person, they they can feel that it's the same experience overall. And they'll feel that coherency and that consistency makes them feel really comfortable with your brand. Is that something that just comes, <clears throat> as you talk about it, it's like, I'm struggling to keep up a little bit, but is that... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just because, no, no, no it's, it's amazing just because what you do is so diverse, right? So when you explain that stuff about how you create that experience, is that something that you, just comes very naturally to you? Like you can you look at something and you're able to see where you can improve, you know, five, 10, 15, 20% or something? I think so. I think it comes partially from my work history. I've uh, 
I, I have a really long and varying job history. I used to, I started off as a, uh, doing data entry and then I was a developer and then a designer. And then I was, I was in charge of growth and data for a bit and strategy. And so I kept job hopping because I was never fully uh, satisfied. Yeah. Just committed <laughs> commitment <laughs> issues. Um, I was never fully yeah satisfied with what I was doing. And then, uh, I sort of ended up doing this where it's a combination of everything. And then, and it f- feels much better for me to be able to operate on a holistic level, you know? and make sure that I'm delivering quality everywhere rather than just like one place. Mm. And is the industry quite quick as well? So do you, I mean, what's your, what's the average uh, time length that you would have a customer for? Like, do you just sort of, you work with startups, you bring them to a certain point to their unicorn point, and then they go off and do their own thing or how does that work? I'd love to bring them to the unicorn (laughs) point, but Essentially, we, we try to lay the foundation, like our goal essentially is to lay the foundations for them to work without us because no good company can just rely on an agency forever. forever. If they're not yeah. good at something, you know, they, uh, as soon as they pull the plug on the agency, they're going to fail. So what we try to do is, um, yeah, come in at a stage where they have a problem and the problem is usually, uh, uh, you know, probably 80% of the time is customers don't understand what we do because we work with disruptive startups, right? So... Uh, we had one recently with um, that was in biotechnology. So what they were doing is they were uh, 3D printing cell cultures um, to, to test cancer cures and stuff like Excuse that. Excuse me? Wow. Yeah. Um, and that is really hard to articulate, you know, mm. uh, like because they're, yeah. all, they're all scientists, they're all doctors, they're all like, you know, they've all got PhD. So to them, this is like, they'll talk about it, you know, with all the jargon and everything, it'll seem pretty straightforward. So, um, and so a lot of the time, if they have a website up, it's like nobody understands what we do. We're finding it really hard to just even do base communication with people mm. because it's just weird. So I think that's part of why you know we're effective is that I don't know anything pretty much. So what we do is like we'll come in and just assume that we know nothing, try to learn you know, 10, 20, 50, uh, 50% of what they actually do and then articulate it in our own words and then that's at least a bridge between um, you know, general society and, and sort of them. Mm. Wow. It's a tough job. You must be learning a lot of new things oh. all the time. <laughs> oh my God. I know, I know stuff about 3D cell printing, about uh, light detection and range, about all this stuff that I never thought I would... I'm probably never going to need again either, but stuff that I never thought I would know. And what's the, like, what's the coolest thing that you've learned about? Ooh, um, I would say... I would say probably one of our first clients was called Braha there. They create self-driving car technology. Um, and the way that they came up with this is using uh, a technology called LIDAR, which stands for light detection and range. Um, and it's essentially the same technology that they, that they use in like fiber optic cables to connect your internet, right? Because the way data is passed from, you know, the node or whatever to your house is through light. They just beam light through a cable. Um, and then that light transmits okay. data. Right. Sure, so, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for those out there, that's pretty sure. basic stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I was all over that. All right, all right. So, uh, when you say from a node, do you mean like from the oh, street from, light? I don't know, Telstra, wherever they are. Or, you know, oh, okay. Or just wherever. So, are there like invisible lights shining into our house right now? Is no, so most mean? of them they oh. run they run in cables. So all the cables oh, okay, that are sort yeah. of networked, you know, under the streets or whatever. Um, uh, essentially, they're just you know rubber tubing or whatever. But they have uh, the good ones. Fiber optics have light basically being shot through them and because wow. you know light moves at the speed of light yeah. it's obviously a very efficient way of transferring yeah. information yeah 
What was the question that you asked me? Before <laughs> I asked answer? him what was the coolest the, one. You're talking about uh, the, right? Yeah. Um, so if you uh, if you combine that with the idea of uh, you've seen um, what is it Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon the the album cover where they they shoot a light into a prism and it refracts into the, the rainbow. Of course. Have you actually? <laughs> <laughs> no, have, I haven't seen it. You, you might have done it. But as, I can imagine. That was a very right, good description. Right, while you're talking, I'll bring it up for yeah, you. You, you might have seen it, uh, like if you hold up a crystal or something to the light, that you'll see a rainbow come out of it. Pink Floyd, what was the cover? Dark Side of the Moon. I've heard of Dark Side of the Moon, but I can't say I've seen it. I'm pretty sure I'm younger than you. You should have heard this. Settle <laughs> down. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. okay. Anyway. Uh, that's so if, if you don't know what that is, it's a triangle... Prism. 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 And there's a small white light going into the prism, but the light that comes out of the prism is really large, diverse, like a rainbow. Yeah. Uh, that's called refraction. So basically what's happening is when a beam of light is shot into a prism, uh, it refracts and then you can see all the colors of the of the infrared spectrum. Sorry, all the colors of the visible spectrum. So anyway, you combine this, this sort of stuff together uh, and essentially what this company's sensors do is they shoot out that sort of light into the environment and then it's uh it basically hits something and then comes back right the sensor picks up on that and if you have enough sensors around the car with lights being shot out and come back you can map the world around your car is that right? how my parking sensors work when i reverse back i can see the top of the car i think oh those run on visual so like there's right. a few ways of doing self-driving one of them is doing visual processing so like looking at environment and trying to understand from the video like that's a traffic What's cone, a that's a street, yeah. exactly. Oh, okay. um, machine vision, I think it's called. Yeah. And the other one is is LiDAR, where it's, yeah, you are like physically sending out light and trying to collect, okay, I know the distance from here to there based on the light beam that I shot out is, you know, a meter, two meters, right. three meters. And so, so it's probably a bit more versatile as well, well than the vision one. Yeah. A lot of people think that the future it's of self-driving probably, cars is probably a bit more self-learning, I guess, as well. Pro when I say self-learning, mm. like it's a bit more aware because... If different things come up, it will see it. Whereas if it's just the driven one, if you haven't programmed it and doesn't know what a cone is, it wouldn't know what a cone is, correct? Yeah, and there's also other benefits. Like if you've got shadows, light is just going to shoot through a shadow. Whereas right. it, it, on a visual, you know, you'll see black and it's like, yeah. okay, there's nothing there, but it could be something within a shadow. Um, mm. So I, I think probably the future is, is both of those technologies put together. Look, when it comes to technology <laughs> in the future, I've, I've, I've never, ever understood it and i'm not going to claim to understand any of it now so what i want to understand from you is a couple yep. of things like that's what uh, i learned by, by the way sorry uh, that's <laughs> that's the summary is I i'll give you how. a bit of a, a background of my experience with technology good so i remember as a paperboy one of my colleagues had a had one of the first optus phones with internet on it oh yeah and i was like why do you need internet on your phone like i didn't understand it. i was like don't you just use a computer even and if you go back before the sms I was like, why do you want an SMS for? It's a hassle. Can't you just call people? They didn't have memes back then, did they? That's they why. definitely didn't settle yeah. down. Yeah. But I've never, I've never been able to see the future of tech. And like it's, it just moves so fast. Like, where do you see it going? Like, um, it's crazy to me. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> a broad question. I think, I think the future of tech is really hard to see unless you're looking at a specific thing. Mm. So if you're looking at, you know, the future, it'll be just impossible to predict. Whereas mm. if you look at something specific, like if you look at cars, it's like, okay, what is happening with cars now that just sucks? And like, how could we make it even better mm. if they drive themselves? You know, yeah. are they cars? Do they even go on the road? Do they go underground? Do they fly, etc. And so if you look at 
um, yeah, if you look at each different thing in your life and be like, why does this suck so much? You know, what is the future of this? Imagine this with like zero hassle and you combine all these things. That's essentially, hopefully the future that we'll get to. Mm. Well, let's talk about... Can we, before we get to the AI <laughs> stuff... No, 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 not even um, AI. I was going to say, let's talk about health. Okay. Like, where do you... What role do you see technology playing in health in the future? Because right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. And as quickly as we are moving with, you know, potentially coming up with a vaccine, which is mm-hmm. amazing. I think a lot of people are still kind of thinking in their heads, well it's actually really slow. Like, mm-hmm. why don't we have a vaccine yet? Yeah. Um, so what do you think about the future of technology and health? I mean, funnily enough, I think the future, if you really do want to invest in, in health, it's got nothing to do with technology. It's got to do with funding. You know, mm-hmm. like so many governments put just an unbelievable amount of their, uh, of their budget towards like, you know, military and, um, and just not enough towards, I, you know, I'm going to go off on one of those sort of yeah. uh, liberal spiels, but essentially, yeah, not enough into... Uh, into health, into education, into all the things that will actually help improve health. Mm. But from a technology perspective, there's a you know there's a few um, verticals that are being looked at at the moment. So you've got um, data, of course, is a huge one. Mm. So uh, we've worked with um, we've worked with a, a medical I don't know what they call them medical startup health startup that mm. is essentially trying to redesign mm. um, the the doctor's experience, the medical center experience. So. Um, rather than just like, oh, okay, uh, like I did t- today, uh, look up just whatever medical center is closest to me and then go there. You've got this one Apple level, beautiful medical center that you go to, you're on a subscription with them. You go there, you have an app that they've created where you know you basically self-diagnose yourself to save time for when you go into the doctor's surgery. This isn't even high tech. This is like send the user a questionnaire level mm. stuff. But yeah. You know, like even that, like zero effort, I think, has been put into um, trying to improve things in in the medical sector, especially just because. Uh, well, all, all we hear about is waiting times all the time. Yeah, but exactly. But what about telehealth? I don't agree with that's, that statement. That's what about it. Telehealth. That was part of this whole thing. It's like, hmm. yeah, it's like for when you go in, you know, you would self-diagnose first so that your um, your visit would be a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to go in, you just telehealth, right? Right. That's pretty straightforward. But it's basically just the. Um, there's no one willing, I think, to to either look at the medical space or there's not enough funding coming in to make it worthwhile for entire clinics to be like, okay, get mm. rid of this software, replace it with this, mm. which sucks. But I think long term, I think data is going to play a really interesting role. Um, a lot of the a lot of the time when you get diagnosed with something, it's like uh, you're essentially trying to fill out a questionnaire that's meant for literally anyone, whether it's like a 90 year old woman or a, or a five year old boy, it, it's treats everyone the same, same. words. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's a, another arm and another evolution of AI? Because not only does like the internet collects everything all about us now. So technically the internet could be the brain of AI almost, but now that we're starting to create these other methods where we're actually soft diagnosing, putting our symptoms in and it's giving us a response back. Is that just more ammo and more ammunition for potentially artificial intelligence to be created or to work against us or? 100%. And that's, that's actually what we were looking into in this project is predictive diagnosis, mm. which is um, uh, <clears throat> the, the process for coming up with a diagnosis is essentially you ask the patient what's wrong with them and you, you get the symptoms. Um, 
you transfer you turn that into your hypothesis which essentially like i think they have this based off the fact that they have sneezing headaches you know whatever it is yeah. come up with a, a hypothesis and then your diagnosis is when you go and test that and it turns out to be true or false but it's not always that black and white because it could be like five diagnoses yeah. that are technically there's, correct there's definitely still laws yeah. on that one exactly well but the models should be AI, where AI would come in is that those models would self-improve. Yeah, exactly. Based on more and more data being input. Oh my God, it's very scary. Me. Well, but, even, even then, it's it's mm. much simpler. It would be much faster for a computer to do it now than, than a doctor because you yeah, know, of their education is based on the... A you textbook. Know, yeah, well, whatever they remember from the eight degree eight years of medical school, yeah. right? Or whatever they can look up really quickly on their, on their app. Mm. So... I think it's, you know, even with a low-level AI right now, it's possible to come up with a lot more diagnoses and then, you know, if you did the experiments, a lot quicker, um, yeah, sorry, a lot more examinations Look, and a much quicker diagnosis. Be before COVID came around, AI was my biggest fear. <laughs> I'd listened to a couple of podcasts with like Andrew Yang, Lex Friedman. Um, Andrew Yang obviously pushing uh, UBI uh, partly because of the emergence of AI. And I was petrified. Now, COVID's come along and blown out of the water. I'm not sure. I'm assuming that AI is still being um, developed and evolved while all this shit's going on. And I'm assuming there's going to be a time again where I'm shitting myself about AI again. Um, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I, I, the only reason why I say I don't think we really have to worry about how quickly it's going to develop is at the end of the day for it to work, you need a considerably large amount of data. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people, the general society, especially in Australia, is this whole thing around privacy. And I know you've got like, you're, Denny's got his own argument oh about like people <laughs> who are against, you know, providing data, but it's a real thing. Like I know people who- I don't have an argument with people providing data. My argument was particularly yeah, that one app. <laughs> they've got Facebook and they've got Instagram, but yeah. they won't provide their data for something else. Correct. I get it. Yeah, I know. Something that's going to benefit saying, society. Yeah, I know. But at the end of the day, you've still got people who have Facebook and Instagram, Correct. but they won't sign up to my health record. <laughs> Do you know what nuts. I mean? Like, <laughs> that... which is crazy. So it, it's yeah. it, like, while I think that AI is, or, or you know, that type of um, predictive modeling is in the near future, it still has to, everyone has to be signed up to that agenda for it to work and for it to become increasingly better. I don't agree. I think it's just the percentage that you need, isn't it? Well, okay, so... No, you need... For it to be more accurate and for it to be, um, you know, useful and better and self-improve, you need more data. Like, the more you have, the better. For those of you who are listening, Danny's made his way to the fridge and yeah. he's, he's making himself another drink. Yeah. Well, hold on. <laughs> could could COVID be a way? This is a theory I had, right? So I'll put this out there, out there for about AI. Could COVID be a cover that that AI has potentially created to force us to evolve technology more to clean up our lifestyle? As we know, tech when they create tech needs to be very clean in in a very like clean environment when they're first creating it. So tech thrives in, in a probably a cleaner no. environment. Now it's getting more health records on us than ever before. It's getting more DNA than on us than ever before. No. It's just a theory. <laughs> there is a complicated intersection here between privacy, morality, transparency, mm. and the willingness to give up information. None, so, of, none of which AI cares about, just take it. <laughs> so 
with Facebook, people are willing to, to give up their privacy for two reasons. First of all, because they don't know the extent to which it's being taken because they don't read the privacy policy, but mm-hmm. also because it's about experience versus or, or value versus, um, you know, friction essentially. So yeah. Facebook provides you with such an immense value uh, from, you know, an emotional level essentially that you are willing to give up anything to, to actually get it. Mm-hmm. Whereas my health record, you're not seeing that you know, mm. immediate benefit from it. You're not getting that instant gratification. So mm. you're not as willing to give up uh, your your information. But I think, you know, the, the way AI works, and I'll, I'll get onto this in a bit, is essentially you gather as much data as you can and you interpret it and then you make objective decisions based off that. And so theoretically, for AI to improve, it just needs two things. It needs you know, more people to be able to offer up that information and it can be right. anonymized. Like yeah. we don't need your name or, or, or anything like that. We need the key information that mm. actually affects you medically. Yeah. And the second thing is, uh, yeah, sorry. So the willingness to give that up and time just because a lot of AI is based on machine learning, which has to uh, essentially run experiments over and over and over again and then validate whether it's uh, accurate. And, yeah, whether it's decision-making algorithm is correct or not based on, um, you know, the information that it was given. I get the whole thing with, yeah, you don't need the name and the date of birth or whatever, but like I work with data and these days there's a lot of data linkage happening, which is also another sort of emerging aspect of really, you know, finding out more and solving more problems. And I think people are starting to kind of catch on to that. And the second thing as well that I would kind of argue with the Facebook data versus not signing up to my health record is that your health can potentially be used against you so you know versus insurance exactly versus or what you ate on on the weekend for breakfast (laughs) do you know what i I agree if you hate them what versus versus your location being uploaded photos of your kids your relationship with everyone that you know yeah uh, true, true. <laughs> the fact but that, the fact that Facebook is... also knows your fears because it knows clickbait. No, but that's Facebook knows... knowing. But I'm talking about from a standpoint of insurance companies, your employer knowing things about your health status, or do you know what I mean? Like that. That that's the there's, yeah. there's the other more... aspect yeah. of it that could be point. potentially used. Against you. against you there's a much more immediate fear that uh, of things that are really personal to you as in yourself like your health um your identity your own mind like you're much mm. more pri- you're much more um secure of those things than you are of like things that are secondary or tertiary to you so mm. your relationships your photos whatever like those are all sort of essentially disposable so people mm. yeah people worry i think uh but aren't people almost downloading their minds into it into it like when you look at like yeah. Donald Trump, yeah, but Donald Trump rants like a schoolgirl on Twitter. He's yeah. putting every thought into that. Thing. Yeah, but they're actively, you're actively choosing what to upload and what to put out there. Correct. Whereas if I go to the doctor and say, "Hey, doc, I hear twenty <laughs> voices talking to me at nighttime," Same. and then my employer, you know, is but like, can I, can I "Oh my god!" Can I explain <laughs> something to you? <laughs> Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are very addictive, and it's very addictive for a reason. People get dopamine releases out of that shit. I've done the Twitter thing, right? And it's very... You still do. Every now and then, not hardly compared to anyone, right? But it's very addictive because you, you get addicted to, to seeing the response, to seeing the people fight back or whatever you, it is that you're doing. 
once you're onto it, it's very chemically uh, attractive to do it. Even though you know, like you're like, fuck, why am I doing this? But there's something in it. It's it's very highly addictive. Mm. So once you start down that path, it's it's yeah. I can see why people go down that and go down deep. I don't. You, I really you don't do don't. it though. No, but I yeah, but I've had Twitter before. I've had Facebook. I've had. My wife all of those has things. no apps on her phone. And I don't understand She's what the addiction and I love is. For it. I think I think Twitter and Facebook are the most confusing things <laughs> out there ever, and I think it's just it absorbs so much like brain power that you could use for other things. Like can I, I, just, can I, I don't get it at all. Is? I don't see the addiction. Twitter is like everyone's thoughts in the world. In real Why time. am I interested in that? But that's what it is, though. It's very addictive. Imagine if you could understand people's minds all the time. It's a level of that. What a nightmare. Like, they might be like lying about it, you're, but you're hearing everyone's thoughts publicly and loudly in real time. You're both It's right. insane. You're both it's right. Really it's amazing. Insane. And it's also a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's really insane. I'm getting a bit hungry. That's, that's, that's Twitter in a nutshell. So, yeah, everyone's thoughts every second of the day, which is incredible and yeah. just horrible to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I don't relate to it at all. Yeah. I think. I think you have to enjoy seeing like a divide mm. or uh, or you have to be like really, you have to really love seeing people come together or something. It's it's one or the other, like it's complete polar opposites. It's not the... But I think it's division. It's like not that Like you love though. seeing hate and war and fighting. You're seeing it from the outside together. and if you're not on Twitter, don't fucking get on it. Okay? Like honestly, that's my advice. You must be a very wholesome person not to enjoy Jade that. Jade is. But it's I don't not, think I'm wholesome. <laughs> it's not. It's not that though. There's something. There's there's something definitely very addictive ab- about that stuff. Even social media, like when you do a post and stuff. Why do people check their posts? Yeah, yeah. Why do we go back there once it's out there? We go back to see who's liked it, who's commented. There's something very addictive about it. It's weird. Well, it's all it's engineering. Weird. There's there's books that have been written on this. You know the uh, the hooked sort of. Um, uh, basically digging into psychological traits and, and you know, leveraging them. Um, so likes, for instance, is, mm. is a form of instant gratification. It's the fact that I put something out there and I can know instantly that it was well-received and mm. that gives me the dopamine hit, etc., etc. But there's there, this, like, at this point, you know, Facebook should probably employ, my, uh, employ more psychologists than engineers. Um, yeah, man. But, yeah, if you, do give, uh, if you do get a chance, there's a good book called Hooked. Which is uh, by Nuriel. That's that's worth a read. That's based on the um, uh, was it the yeah cause and effect like trigger cycle that you go through. So it's like, um, it, you know, it's it's essentially like you do with hamsters. You know, it's like trigger response and and you know give them a a variable reward because once a reward becomes consistent, you're like okay, I don't yeah, care that yeah. much anymore. But once uh... it becomes if it's if it's A or B or C or D and you don't it's random you're more inclined to want to try to, to get more of it. Is that so, why Facebook brought in the, the, the five different like icons? You got the like, you got the cuddle like, the love eyes, the happy eyes, I the, think the wow one, face. That one was more of a response to, and I'm sorry, but, you know, my kid is sick or something on Facebook and, and you know, you don't right, want to give you don't that, like that. You don't want to give that a thumbs up, yeah. but at the same time... You give it a tear, we're sad. At the same time, exactly, you want to give them, you want to get some instant gratification from it, so you, you know, put mm. your sort of cryy face there it's and, fucking then, nuts, and then man. you're like yeah yeah people are really really feeling for me so can I something I've thought about <clears throat> I don't really understand AI or how it gets programmed or what but I, I feel like 
we're the ones developing it. Every every input that we put into something particular on social media is just giving it more information. It's just learning us more and more and more. Okay, so this is the segue that you've been looking for into AI. Okay. And and, and this is probably where it's worth actually discussing how AI works and what it means. Mm. So... Because prob- An- Andrew Yang scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. AI. When, I, when I watched him do his talk, I was like, I do not want him to get present. <laughs> that much. I, I think it's what... Okay, so... What is AI? Yeah, best way to start off. Let, let's talk about what AI Artificial is. Artificial intelligence. Got it right. Ooh. Nailed it. All right, so we're done here. Um, <laughs> let, let's look at the words that he used. So, so artificial is... Artificial basically means that, uh, a human's ability to recreate something that usually exists in nature. So which is why we say like artificial grass or, or you know artificial chemicals, stuff like that. Mm. It's something that usually exists in nature and that we've managed to create a man-made synthesis of it so that it's reproducible and we can make it on, on, at whim, basically. We don't have to rely on nature for it. Intelligence, and this is what I learned recently, is that it's got nothing to do with how... Uh, there are different definitions for these words, but how smart you are, how wise you are, whatever. Intelligence literally means your ability to gather, uh, interpret, and apply information to a specific problem or decision. So artificial intelligence literally just means a human's attempt, human's attempt at creating um, a decision-making machine that, that makes decisions, that solves problems in a similar way to we, the, the way we do. But the problem becomes that is that that machine becomes way more efficient than us, processes way fast, like can process a thousand years of problems within two minutes. Is that a bad thing? It depends. What is AI being programmed for? Is it to benefit us or to... So get rid of us. That's, that's exactly the thing. So, so the limitations of AI are based on the problems that you give it. So, um, because AI is, is literally the artificial intelligence towards being able to solve, it's usually a specific problem. So give it a riddle, Uh, give it a game. Wouldn't true AI be something that has self thought? Like how far away, how far away are we from a machine going? I know my job is to turn these lights on and off, but you know what? Today... I don't feel like it. All right, here we go into the rabbit hole. But that's what I mean, right? Like you're saying artificial, that sounds to me, you're explaining machine learning there as opposed to AI. Machine learning gets better. AI is an independent source that thinks for itself. All right, here we are. We're we're in the rabbit hole here. Okay. (laughs) I don't feel like we're quite there, but we'll get there. Machine learning is an interpretation of AI that it's a way to achieve it. So it's, it's essentially if you take the exact definition of AI, which is a computer's synthesized ability to be able to solve problems based on a set of data. Therefore, machine learning does that because, um, you you know, the the process that I gave, it's like um, a human's ability to gather, interpret and apply data. Machine learning is is where we give them all the information so they don't need to gather it. And then we test them based on specific outcomes, right? So essentially what we're doing is we're testing the middle. We're testing the interpret part. And, and you can write algorithms for that now, though, right? You can write algorithms that self-improve, correct? That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. they self-improve based on um, based on the data that they're fed and whether they're told at the end that they are right or wrong. Okay. So they still need to be told, though. They still need to be told mm-hmm. whether they're right or wrong. So this, okay. this introduces uh, really two questions, which is, um, okay. first of all, what are the constraints that you're giving them, right? So the constraints that we're giving AI right now is that it's what we call a, a closed loop deterministic system, right? Whereas mm-hmm. um, the things that we're, that you've seen AI being tested on is a game of chess, 
right? Or a riddle, or, or a game of Go, even. That was the, the... That was the big one recently. That's the big one, yeah, because I think that was a game from, like, a Chinese game from, like, yeah. 2,500 years ago. It's or got, like, like a, so many different variables or whatever. Exactly, right. So... And he recently won and beat, like, the, the smartest Go player, or best Go player. Exactly. But the problem with these things is that even games, you know, even, like, long-term games like, you know, Fortnite or whatever, they're, they're deterministic environments, as in, if I give a specific set of inputs, I know that I'm going to win. Right? There, there are only a finite number of, there is a lot, by the way, say chess, for example, there's a yeah. finite number of moves, even though that number is really, really, really big. Yeah. So every move, every yeah. counter move, every counter counter move multiplied by all the moves throughout the game. Theoretically, if you learn all of them, you can win every single, well, every single time given your opponent's you make moves. The right, and, yeah. and making, that you make the right decision. Assuming that you make the right decision, but it's like some games you can't win based on the fact that your enemy made counter moves and then from there on you, you just can't win because it's a point of no return. But hold on, if you're AI, you can because you know what that move was and you can do something about that. Yeah, within within reason. But there are there will be... because Has AI been beaten? Has, um, has, yeah, plenty of times. Has, has the com- do the computers get beaten by humans these days? I don't think they do anymore. Definitely, but that's only because an AI isn't about learning every single uh, permutation of every, of every mm-hmm. move. It's about knowing the patterns in the past that have won and applying them to try to win in the future. So it's, it's also about learning what the, the human does as well. Exactly. It's not just taking input and using that. It's also about what the, what the opponent or the other person is doing as well. So if you've learned every taking single move, counter move, whatever, mm-hmm. that would take an astronomical amount of time that we just don't have. To, to be able to memorize all those. But machines do. That's the point, isn't it? No, because even for a machine, there are so many moves, like moves, counter moves, like all the way through the game. Every possible position that a rook could move or something like that, yeah. there is just too many to calculate at the moment. So what they do instead is they look for, here are historically all the patterns that have worked and here are historically all of the strategies that players have put in place. Now, using those two, try to win. I understand. So you're saying currently though, it's still... It's not actually artificial intelligence, so it's more machine learning still. That is that is machine learning. Well, machine learning being an application of AI, that's the only way to go ahead because if you just program all the rules in, then they're not learning anything. They just know everything. you know. But they know everything within a closed set. They don't know how to solve problems. They just know all the results. But and they probably lose as well. They, they'll lose anything outside of that because yeah. they just don't know it. Yeah. Danny's confused. Damn. I'm not confused. I'm just like, where does this go? So, I'll, we are basically creating artificial intelligence as we speak, correct? Yes. Right. So, is it gonna is AI gonna be to the benefit for us or to the detriment of us? It will be to the benefit, assuming we give it the problems that we want solved. But he's. But that's my challenge, right? Because <laughs> artificial intelligence, intelligence, is basically not us programming anymore. It's just it's it's like, hey, for example, the internet. I feel is the brain of AI. It will okay. theoretically always be us programming because we are programming in a set of rules that, while it may grow and shrink over time, it'll flex in ways that we don't see. It will still be the deterministic set of rules that we we wrote. So you're you're not of the thought that AI will just become totally involuntary. So I don't know if that's the definition of AI is the ability to rewrite its own code, but but uh, yeah, if it was that, it would be it would be freaking scary. But I don't know if that's technically AI because within the definition of AI, 
it's like closed loop deterministic problem solved but once you get to that level where it's able to rewrite its own code and stuff like that and it's able to rewrite its own rules like a human being does like mm. i decide today yesterday i i didn't feel like stabbing this guy today i do sorry that was it that's a great example yeah but essentially that's an that's a uh there there is probably a bunch of you know evidence to back up that thought that i just had but theoretically that's an example of me rewriting my own you know uh decision-making code so why does listening to you make me feel much more comfortable because i feel like okay the way (laughs) the way that you're explaining it we have some semblance of control it's you're explaining it as though it's still within our control but if you listen to someone like um elon musk he's like it's fucking pretty much gone and if you listen to man andrew yang he's scared the fuck at him he's like this industry's gone this industry's gone we have to have ubi universal basic income it's gonna happen now like it's gonna be too late (laughs) Well, yeah, because you can program machines to do what a truck driver does or what a bus driver does. That's why he's saying those industries are no longer going to be there. So my thing was that you don't need to worry while you don't need to worry until a robot can until an AI can rewrite its own code. Right. We're we're humans. We're going to make that happen. You know, there's nothing that'll stop someone from being like, shit, I wonder what would happen if a robot could rewrite its own code, regardless of any sort of moral or ethical constraint around that. We have to make it happen. It's just yeah. we're curious. It's in our nature. So do we have to make it happen? Or is, is this like, is something driving us to evolve it? Because like we all, we, we all desire the latest and greatest tech. Like even this, this my last, <laughs> the, the, the four iPhones before this one was fine. I was super fucking happy. Yeah. But yet there's some sort of desire to it's, want the latest and greatest. Yeah, it's greed and curiosity and we can't live without it. It's what makes us great and terrible at the same time. Do you want to hear some of the differences? So yeah. this is a website, I don't know, medium.com. Oh, medium, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so machine learning is a branch of artificial intelligence. That's what Hayden said. Mm-hmm. As defined by computer scientists, blah, blah, blah. Machine learning is a study of computer algorithms that allow computer programs to automatically improve through experience, right? And then it goes through sort of like examples. For example, if you load a machine learning program with a considerably large data set of x-ray pictures, it ought to have the capacity to do data analysis of these x-ray pictures. Whereas... Whereas artificial intelligence is much more vast in scope. So it's more, it's like the science and engineering of actually making computers behave in ways that until recently we thought required human intelligence. Mm -hmm. So machine learning is like a branch of artificial intelligence. It was a stepping stone towards it. Yeah. That, That doesn't scare me. What scares me is us creating the next demigod where it thinks for itself and we have no control over it. I And it, it, it runs everything. I think that's... Is that likely or unlikely? Well, when you talk, I feel like it's unlikely. Uh, I think it's sort of inevitable. <laughs> I, given given all the possibilities, if we have the, the opportunity to make it happen, we will. And not because it's the right thing to do, but out of curiosity. You know, good right. intentions, road to hell, good intentions, etc. So how does that look? Well, at okay. That point. So this how is does the world we, look at that point? This is where we go into another discussion of, of, of how that AI would operate, right? Because what we've talked about so far is we've talked about machine learning in a deterministic environment based on the objective factual input that it's given. So Correct. I give you 
facts and you give me a judgment out of that, right? But if I asked you as a person, uh, is it okay to is it okay to kill a cockroach? You asking me for the I'm answer? I'm asking you as an, for an answer, yeah. You know what? To be honest, I struggle with it. Like once I've killed it, mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck, man. Technically, that's a living thing. Technically, if I believe in God, that's super bad. I do think about that often when I kill a bug. Yeah, so it's steeped in. There's a lot of things that are coming up into that thing, and it's it's not facts. It's not the fact that the law, for instance, which mm. is written, says that you know you shouldn't kill. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, that part, well, yeah, it, yeah. that only applies to humans yeah, technically. Correct, yeah. But yeah, if you're religious, like, is that is that okay to kill another living being? What you know, what's okay to mm. kill and not to kill? Where, I often think about that. I really do. Right. So that sort of decision making process, which is based not only in law in objective fact but also in subjective truth so morality ethics good and evil right and wrong and not only all of that your everything in your life that has brought you up to this moment to actually interpret what is right and wrong good and evil moral unethical etc that is essentially what we have to make a computer do to make decisions outside of one plus one equals two mm. well if you've seen the last on twitter two plus two equals five uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time on Twitter, so I know that's true. What the fuck is that about? What do you mean? Twitter's just full of just idiots. Yeah, but what was that thing that these? Uh, the I think it was the extreme. Some of the that's groups why I'm of, on there. Some of the groups of the I think was it coming from extreme left. I'm not sure who was pushing it, but something about two plus two equals five. Oh, what I don't know, that? mate. There's 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 stuff about it. There's you know flat Earth, there's anti-vaxxers, there's everything. Whatever whatever your whatever your thoughts are towards a specific thing, COVID is fake and, and etc. 5G gives you, what was it? Is it 5G COVID. gives you COVID? Yeah. yeah. Whatever you think in your life, the internet means that there is a community that will agree with oh, you. There are a certain set of people out it's there so that will nice. share your belief. And that is one of the benefits and curses of the yeah, internet. Yeah, there's something for everyone. Exactly. But not only that, there is enough that it connects people who believe even the craziest things across the world. So you can create a group and you can spread your idiotic beliefs. So what do you think about the recent stuff? Like we're going to a little bit away from our, we can come back to it if you want. Do you have something that you want to go through? Uh, in terms of? The AI stuff before I move on to my random questions. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what do you think about the fact that Twitter and Facebook are so engaged with the, particularly at this stage, American political system, but for how long before it becomes involved in our political systems as well. It like, already is, isn't it? Not to the extent it is in, in the States. They're actually yeah, fact-checking. Yeah, it already is. They're, they're putting up their own fact-checks fact checks about certain posts that Trump does or oh. hydroxychloride. And there's so many different things about those things, you know, but they're, they're assuming power and control of those, uh, those, the information now. So they say it's They're false. not assuming power. They're filtering, is what they call it. They're filtering out. Alright, I'll let Hayden answer that one carefully. <laughs> well, yeah, very carefully. Um, hmm. Okay, how do I go about this? Uh, I think with free speech comes free lies. So, uh, did you just say free lies? Free lies. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, is that <laughs> I can rephrase. That's um, no, good. But essentially, given a platform, uh, if you were given a platform, it doesn't mean you have to speak the truth. Um, and that means that with Twitter and with you know Facebook, and essentially when everyone is connected and, and the most powerful people in the world have access to it, they can say whatever they want and it can be perceived as truth, even though, Correct. and that's a whole other discussion, what's true and what's not. But, but essentially, assuming what we know is facts, like hydroxychloroquine does not cure COVID, it's quite harmful to the body and it's 
allegedly, sorry, allegedly uses a malaria treatment. No, it's true. It's true. It hasn't. It's not a no, but it's definitely not a yes either. Yeah. Um, yeah, Denny. <laughs> The, the problem is that when you give... I go on Twitter, I can find the answer that I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. I know, I get if, it. If you go on there... I'm not naive to it, I understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. 100%. And, yeah. and that's the problem, is that if you... Uh, as human beings, we, we like... Um, we don't like cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is that something that we hear disagrees with the preconceptions of what we already thought. Mm. So if I think to myself without hearing anything else, oh, hydroxychloroquine, that definitely cures COVID... If I look up on the internet, 50 people saying no and five people saying yes, I'll go with the five people saying yes yeah. because that... You want to hear res- it, sorry. Because I want to hear it. to your agenda. Exactly. Yeah, your own thought. Yeah, even if it's not true. So, not that I want to talk about hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> but isn't it the, the case with it, it can help treat COVID, not, not cure you from it? No, I really am not sure. I haven't looked into well, it. Well, some of the data coming and out... And I think as well... There's some data coming out of Italy that people that were treated with COVID... Data can do anything... That you can make data do what you want data to do. So That's true as well. Even that should be taken with. Well, yeah, but how da- the data fuck? is objective. Interpolation is, is yeah. Not okay, true. but you know how you say we're programming, it, and I believe that our brains or what we input into social media is programming AI as well. Does that mean AI is going to be a clusterfuck of Kardashians or what? Well, uh, I'll give you. Um, I'll give you a recent example where. Uh, this is basically prime internet where I think Microsoft made a chatbot and oh um, the internet, in quotation marks, pretty much just the underworld, got caught wind of it and made it racist within less than like 24 hours just by feeding it racist stuff. Wow. Because it learns from us. It learns from, and it, well, in short, it learns, it's going to learn from the it's worst input. of us. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it won't learn from the best of us because... The best of us tend not to... to not to engage. <laughs> not yeah. to exactly. engage. It's a hard thing not to engage. It's... Let me tell you, like... I'm some on, idiots. I'm on Instagram, and I have Facebook, only because it was a job requirement a few years ago, wow. which was actually, like, kind of strange. Um, sure, Jay. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah, I, I got Twitter slowly, for work as well. <laughs> as I've gotten older, like, as I am getting older and older... I'm just like, what is the point? Yeah. Like, I barely use this thing. I only really use it to keep up with friends from like high school. You're or one something. of you're the rare ones, though, babe. You know, you're 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 the one percent that don't use it anymore. So, yeah, I think that's a, it's a generational thing, and it's something that, so and uh, older generations are going to struggle with it because they never had it before. So for them, it's only opportunity. But and I so, think it, I I found it to be the opposite. Like my mom, because the same... they didn't have. Things like Facebook and Instagram. My mom is all over Facebook. My aunts are all over it because they're like, oh my God, I went to primary school in <laughs> Ireland with this lady and they joined these groups and like, they think it's amazing. Yeah. Like they're constantly on it. To be I'm, clear, I'm, part of, I'm part of a hate, I hate cilantro group. To be clear, we're the same generation. So like our parents, for instance, my mom is all over Facebook and, mm. and there's a benefit to that, which is that she can, you know, reconnect with, um, you know, friends from high school, et cetera, et cetera, which is what we all get. But there's two problems, which is, first of all, because she hasn't grown up with computers, she doesn't know what to filter and what to not. Yeah. Mm. So she can't tell the difference between fake news and real news, right? And the other problem Can is anyone? That, well, I think that that's, that's my... It's getting harder. That's my theory, is that, yeah, it is getting harder, but generationally, we learn to, we learn to adapt to it. And mm. we, we learn to Hold tell on. what's fake nah, news. Come on, man, look. I think that's bullshit. Mm. Because if you go back to... If you go back to marijuana... Okay. The guy who got marijuana legalized, the reason why it happened is because he tr- he owned a lot of these big media magazines and newspapers. You mean not it 
You mean rape made it back, back in the 20s, made it illegal, right? Oh, you said legal. Sorry, it, it made marijuana illegal and hemp illegal. Right. They used it to make cars, paper, clothing, everything. Construction. Yep. And he created this propaganda using media, hmm. and they fell for it. He tricked the, the American Congress. They thought they were, they thought they were making this new drug illegal. They didn't realize they were making hemp illegal. Sure. Right? And so we think that today we're not going to fall for fake news, but we all fucking fall for it. So I don't think we're smart enough to stay in front of it. The, the, the stories, the, the, the way they present these stories now are in front of us. We don't even read articles anymore. We just read headlines. <laughs> That's Trump, true. Trump bad. We don't even read what the fucking article's about. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay, who's more common? The person that doesn't read the fucking article or the person that does? I don't think I should answer that. <laughs> no, honestly. People that read headlines and, and share that as gospel or, and share memes. Like, people share memes like it's, like it's fucking information. Like I don't it's even news. think it, it matters what's in the article these days either. No. Do you know what I mean? I think it's, as, as Hayden said, I think it's you already have a thought. Like, us as individuals based on how we live our lives, how we've been brought up. We have a thought, mm-hmm. and then whatever we see on the screen that matches or is in line with our thought is what we will more than likely share. Yeah, but unfortunately now with data and how we're inputting it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Facebook knows what we're thinking, so it's going to give us more of what we're thinking. Oh, so yeah. so your illusion, like it's, if you want to be very ex- like wide-ranging with your knowledge, you have to really research and you have to search different sources because if you just stay on Facebook, Facebook's going to send you what you click on. Now, if that's I hate Trump or Trump bad, that's all you're going to get. You're not going to see the other side. You are absolutely correct, and that's been proven to be true, um, that, that Facebook does feed you what you essentially what you want to hear. And I think that's, that's actually where we get back to intelligence is, mm. you know, the, the gather part of, of the sort of gather, analyze, mm. apply. You are unintentionally gathering from a limited source. That's why your decisions are the way they are, because back to you, you, it is correct, it is true, but only because your data input is wrong. Yeah. Well, it's limited. Well, it's not wrong, it's what you input. I apologize. Yeah, it's limited, yeah. Because it's hard, like, for me, um, with all this stuff that's been been going on, the reason I've branched out is because I'm I'm trying to actually get the other side. I'm really trying hard, and I don't want to listen to, like, CNN and CBS and Fox News, because they just share... The side that they want to hear. Yep. So it's really hard to find these these neutral sources. It's almost fucking impossible to get it from the mainstream media now. Mm-hmm. To get neutral sources of information. You almost can't anymore. But that's, that's I think, true intelligence is your ability to question everything that you know and gather that's all right. possible data and interpret it. Um, I yeah, agree. Free, but... free of, well, free of as much bias as you can. Yeah. I agree, but, but it feels, it, I think that happens a lot less than you'd like to think. But it also feels better to only find what you want to hear. Oh, yeah. And people love those fucking echo chambers, man. Mm-hmm. People love them. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think we're actually getting smarter. And I don't think we're less easily manipulated. I think we're more easily manipulated than ever, ever before. But here's they the generational... The shit every here's day. the generational thing. My mum, my, my dad, etc. They don't understand this at all. We're discussing it. Mm. That's the difference. We know that we're in an echo chamber. Yeah. <sighs> they don't. Yeah. They're not aware of this at all because well, they don't do, understand. But what percentage of society do I, I like? If you go on Twitter, as as generations, like, Are you serious? as generations go on, that in, that percentage improves because you get more literate about technology and how algorithms work. Mm. Yeah, but don't they just get smarter? 
Yeah, of course. They're smarter it's, it's than a us, man. They're, they're ahead of it. Yeah, it's a constant battle. They're in front of their thinking. I think as well, a lot of this comes back to, like, I can't imagine being a much younger person now, like being 10 or 11, when you're you're starting to sort of make decisions for yourself and stuff like that. We have kids there on social media. Because a lot of that um, sort of decision making that we would have to do by ourselves and Mm -hmm. fail and then learn, or we'd have to learn from our parents, now you can just pick up a phone and... Do you know what I mean? Like you've just got information at your yeah, fingertips and as opposed and to the subjective truth that either you are giving them or that they are getting for themselves. Either exactly. way, it is subjective. It might be right or it might be wrong. Yeah. So I don't know if it's better or worse, but mm. it's just different. Mm. I think it's better because yeah. if they can research a question and get the right answer faster, their progression is all is also gonna be potentially a lot faster. So like look at someone like Hayden. How old are you, Hayden? Twelve, mentally. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm 26. Hayden's 26 and he's very, um, you know, cautious. Disturbed. Cautious. No, you're very <laughs> cautious about, you know, what you share, but you're, you're, you're very, very successful. And that goes back to some of the startups that you helped fund recently. But you are very successful. And I think it becomes, I think a lot of your success is down to the fact that you are an early, like, you, you can see the future in terms of tech. And so you've adapted early and you've bought into that tech part and you've allowed tech to to bring up the speed a lot faster than if you didn't have it as well. I think we're going to see kids evolving really, really fast and they're going to be super fucking intelligent. Yeah, but still having that ability to differentiate something that a computer feeds you mm, or in this true, case true, an true. algorithm feeds yeah. you and knowing, hmm, okay, I should question that versus just accepting mm. what it gives you at face value. Fuck. I think that's... Uh, an ability that is that doesn't really perhaps exist or is you know, you what? know dwindling. But I think that's something that we've, as a society, for all time since we've had news and information, is something that we've always struggled with. Anyway, I don't think it's going to change now that I consider it. My perspective is it, that that's exactly right. Yeah. It's essentially. So, so you're saying this is it's always been like that. Technology is a delivery platform for yeah. information. And, but we've always been getting information one way or another from our parents, from our the people around us, from Newspapers. from news essentially. So, yeah. what I try to focus on um, is self awareness, and which is basically the ability to question what you do here, uh, even if it feels good to you know to, to listen to it and to think that you are right. Mm. Just question whether whether you're actually right. Is the information that you're being fed limited in nature and Mm. Um, is there another possible outcome? A lot of it comes back to just self-accountability, right? That's right. And even if you link it, like, I don't want to harp on it too much, but even if you consider COVID, mm-hmm. allegedly, what does the... Oh, boy. What does, <laughs> what does the minimization of COVID require? Sure. It requires self-accountability. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. Mm-hmm. Play your mask on. Like, it's kind of like conform or, or die, basically. You know what I mean? Like... It's it's all it's 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 sort of part of that. We're seeing who who struggles with that aspect of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was just this like Darwin survival of the fittest that I want to you know I was thinking about, but I'm like I don't want to I don't want to go into look that. very very that uh, is, very that is early on popular like, perspective. Yeah. <laughs> but very early on, I kind of felt like there was rules to this, and you either get on board or you don't. Like yeah. Places where they haven't got on board with the rules, they they tend to have. Struggled one way or another, you know? Although we haven't heard much about, you know, Sweden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just gets ignored. 
But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you hear about America, but that's only because a lot because they're. It's I don't know how to. Their social media is just so super high. I think there's that, but also their gap between, um, the you know combinations of wealth gaps, intelligence gaps, all that sort of stuff is really, really, really broad. And that doesn't mean that people are right or wrong. It just means that people believe different things, and then, and of course, because they are essentially the, you know the, um, you know head of the free world, they they get all the technology and they get all the ability to share these views with others. So, you know, you do get a bunch of. Uh, you know, Karen's essentially believing that. I can't wait to use that line on someone. Can't wait to call someone a Karen. Yeah. Yeah, in proper anger. You've, you've prepared yourself. I'm ready for it, man. You you get a bunch of them, you know, saying that they don't need a mask, but but um, you know, arguing with the the convenience store person because you know they, they it impedes on their civil liberties. They're not wrong, right? Because to their understanding, it does actually impede on their civil liberties, right? Mm. Their their freedom to choose and to do whatever they want, but. I don't know. I think that's what happens when you have gaps that big is that groups form at either end. Mm. And that's, I think, Sweden, you know, Australia, etc. They have much smaller wealth gaps. Um, and so that's why you don't... You don't Preach that, man. Much. People need to understand that. Like, you, I've Preach lived it. in other I'm, countries where... I'm it's... full of shit. Don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, I think if anyone's traveled or if anyone's lived in other countries in the world and come back to Australia, yeah. I think one thing that you do see is that the the balance of the system is pretty is pretty as good as you're going to get in a capitalist society yeah. for the most part the, things can always improve but to pretend it's as bad as or to make it out to be super bad I don't think is fair either there's always a good joke that I like referring to whereas uh, where Australia uh, sorry America the land of the free actually is the least free country based on the amount of the percentage of the population that's in prison <laughs> oh my god oh, isn't wow. it scary yeah. but yeah. then again I get all of my um, comedic outlooks from Dave Chappelle so yeah. How know. good is Dave Chappelle? Oh my god. So good. Dave Chappelle? <laughs> I love Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Just verifying. Um, do you have anything else there? Let me see if I've got any other questions for you. Anything you wanna anything you wanna talk about in particular? <sighs> what what do you think about the stuff of TikTok? Like, do you know much about tech and Huawei and it, are uh, they... Can I just say TikTok was a Jamaican uh, type of dance? Really? Yeah. yeah. Like when and girls' met, bottoms go like... And they made into a bad like word a, now. It's like a twerking? dance move. It's not really twerking. It's like when it's like a woman is like bent over like this and then her, her butt cheeks go like that. Like that. Like I'm holding so back it's when, it's when the you're, urge to say demonstrate. <laughs> it's, when, it's when each butt cheek go, moves at a separate rate. So left cheek goes up, right cheek goes down. That's TikTok. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Gonna try I that. think they took the name. <laughs> Have they probably did? Uh, potentially, it's a well, it's a Chinese company, right? So, I wonder what uh, it means when it's translated. Mm. Maybe nothing. Maybe it's just like clock sounds. But I think before yeah. we go, um, what about the stuff that is le- allegedly coming in, in the next twelve to twenty-four months in terms of Neuralink? Oh my God, Neuralink! Twelve okay. to twenty-four months. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's twenty-four when... meaning two years. Do you mean twenty-four years? Twenty-four months within the next two years. Who said that? Musk, yeah? Yeah, I mean, so Musk has been harping on about, about Neuralink a lot, which is really interesting. Um, I, I haven't seen too much about Neuralink. Uh, it's, there's been a bunch of stuff that's come up on Twitter, like it'll be, by the way, this has been known for that you could do this for ages, but the ability to like stream music into the brain by vibra- vibrating the skull. Oh my God. That's, that's not AI though, that's just... That's just vibrations. That, yeah, exactly, that's just vibrations. That's how it is work anyway. Yeah, exactly. So 
Um, no, I mean, yeah, I don't know too much about Neuralink essentially, but I have seen, I have seen this really cool stuff come out on Twitter. Um, not on Twitter, it's come out, but I've seen it on Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk backed a startup called OpenAI, which is super interesting because they're working on an open sort of machine learning, you know, AI algorithm, right? Which normally I'd be like, you know, whatever it can, it can. So when you say it, open, do you mean public knowledge? As open in, source? as in, it will, as in, hopefully it will be eventually public knowledge, open source, etc. Okay. Yeah. Um, which normally I'd be like, yeah, cool, it's all, you know, wins a game of chess, whatever. But the stuff that I've seen this algorithm do is is insane. Okay. So example. Okay. So <laughs> have a look at my Twitter. I've retweeted all this. Um, I don't think I follow you. So, I got this shit now. <laughs> I just, I just retweet things. You can, um, you can sell my fucking rants. <laughs> actually, I don't. I don't actually do a direct. You might not want to follow him back. <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't. Block. I don't. I don't tweet. I'm gonna block. There's him. certain things that I follow and I comment. I, I'm a commenter, not a tweeter. Anyway. Same thing. No, it's not. Keep Twitter going. comment Sorry. girls. Um, yeah, the stuff that I've seen is uh, it's called GPT three, by the way, and the stuff that I've seen it do is just insane. So, uh, people are applying it in different settings. It's an algorithm that, uh, like as we've said, you give it information. And then you let it interpret it and then see what it produces, right? Um, so people are applying the beta, like closed beta of GPT-3 mm -hmm. in different ways. So I've seen one person apply it to creating apps. And they've they basically made a text box on their website where it says, describe your app in plain English. It's like, okay, I want, a, I want an app that has a list of to-do items and an input at the bottom, uh, sorry, a you know, field at the bottom where I can enter a, um, you know, enter something and then it creates a to-do list item they hit generate and it writes them an app based on that wow. this I, I react them yeah i think it's called wow. it's just amazing and i've read through the code and it's actually quite good it's just you know high level sort of react app which i will not go into um <laughs> why why because it's technical <laughs> but why wouldn't you enter that that's fucking interesting no i won't <laughs> go into it just because it's very i don't want to start talking about React. State, I want to hear that shit. What does, what does that mean? It's too. It's too technical. But I've seen. Um, I've seen other ones where they're like uh, SQL queries, which is a very common one for anyone working in sort of admin to like be like. Uh, so you, you've got your database, and then SQL, which stands for you structured. Know what that means? Yeah. Yeah. Structured querying language. She's very smart. Of course, she she's very it. smart. <laughs> uh, I use SQL. Exactly. It stands for structured. Okay. I don't know what the fuck it is. Other. <laughs> it stands for I'm structured, the here. structured query language, as, as mentioned, and it basically it's a way of asking questions to the database, right? Although it's obviously in a code, so it's like select star from database name table where and then parameters, etc. It's very. Uh, it's actually quite easy. To it's understand. it's easy if you know your data structure. When you don't, it's a pain in the ass. But and joining tables, that's also yeah. I hate doing that. But somebody wrote a GPT three implementation where you say show me all the users who signed up within the last three months. You just write that in plain English and then it gives you the SQL statement to actually run to execute that. Oh, so it, it just gives you yeah. SQL because, statements. Because the data that you feed it is here are all my SQL tables and then it figures out how to join them based on the primary and foreign keys. So I could literally say, I want to join <laughs> so this table no, and that table. You don't want to say, I want to join. You say, just give me X. And then it gives it to you. It figures out the joining. It figures out everything else. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It is amazing. I could use that all day long. Yep. Uh, Hold on. How does that benefit people? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Because when, How does that help? <laughs> because databases at large company and enterprises are not very accessible. And so yeah. the way that you have to, even if you're in marketing or admin or sales or whatever, the way that you essentially operate with it is you have to learn SQL, which is a, a coding language. Yeah. And then... 
be able to even by the way i know i've done sql for a lot of my life and i still don't understand it i hate it so much <laughs> and i just hate it it sucks but and so this is a way for you to essentially join join a company and be like oh yeah if you have questions just ask the database just ask it you know mm. ask it a human level question yeah. and it will it will so you generate... don't have to learn the language exactly oh, wait so is that is that current algorithm open source now I think you have to apply to the private beta to, to get access to it and you have to say why you want access to it. Like, I want yeah. to implement it in the context of X. So, yeah. please give me a reason to use it for Chili Pepper because I'm so keen to try it out. Well, I wanted to hear more about your environmental app. Yes. You haven't told us about that. Oh, so, God. you create an app that can help us get to get a household to carbon neutral, correct? Uh, yeah, essentially. So... So I spend a lot of my day, obviously, at Jelly Pepper, uh, you know, the startups and all that. But after work, I like to work on my own products. Mm -hmm. um, and I've worked on a few of them. Uh, they're not out yet because they're all in sort of, you know, alpha testing on my phone. Um, but one of my favorites is called Neutral. And it's essentially a uh, subscription platform to help you become carbon neutral. And, and what that means is that um, as a human being, when you go throughout your life, you generate carbon emissions. And so that's from the food that you eat. Um, so, you know, if, if you eat a lot of meat, that actually generates a lot of carbon emissions yeah. because of the way that they kill the cows, of the fact that, by the way, the cows fart a lot and that generates yeah. a lot of Even carbon out. emissions. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the car that you drive, obviously, that's a lot of um, uh, crap load of emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, that ties into mm. carbon emissions, etc. Anyway, almost every aspect of your life, the clothes that you buy, the mm -hmm. food that you eat, whatever, they all, when you figure out the supply chain, they all generate carbon Correct. emissions, carbon dioxide emissions. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, you are able to reduce that to, to nothing, but it's really freaking hard because you would have to essentially eat, just become vegan, recycle everything. Walk everywhere. Walk everywhere, <laughs> use one ply toilet paper, like the things that nobody wants one to do. One ply? Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> Is that a thing? Oh yeah. Have you, have, no. you, have you never been to a public school, bro? <laughs> yeah, of course, but even that was two-ply, wasn't it? Oh, wow. You Think two-ply. You went to a good school. <laughs> Must have. One-ply, um, when's the last time? I guess so. No, no. Uh, you're right. I'm, I'm aware of one-ply now. Oh, yeah? yeah? Remember back to your worst, yeah. The yeah. worst day of your life? Man, there's, <laughs> there's public toilets at parks and stuff, aren't they oh, gross? Oh, no. Damn. All right. Half a I'm plan. back with you there. All right. So essentially everything that you do in your life generates carbon emissions and while you can reduce it by yourself, it's really hard to and nobody wants to because it's, it's just, it ruins your lifestyle, right? Because mm. you have to change everything about what you do. So there are a few ways to not reduce but offset your carbon emissions and that means that say I generate 30 tons of uh, carbon emissions a year, I can do something else that actually takes 30 tons out of the atmosphere. Yeah. And... Uh, there's a few applications of this. One of them is by funding projects that invest in clean energy and stuff like that. But I, I don't, that method isn't as effective as the one that a lot of people use, which is planting trees. You know, trees, photosynthesis, they mm -hmm. take carbon dioxide out of that atmosphere, convert it into oxygen, right? So that is literally the opposite of what we are doing as, yeah. as humans. Yeah. So the problem is to be able to offset the amount that you, do, that you emit per year, you have to plant a lot of trees and nobody's, Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, so what Neutral is essentially is it's an app that you... Uh, it's a subscription model app where you fill out a questionnaire um, and you say, okay, I eat... I'm you know a heavy meat eater. I drive 10 kilometers a week. I Whatever. It's very simple questions. 
it figures out how many, how, approximately, how much carbon emissions you emit per year. Mm-hmm. And then it breaks that down into a subscription model. So it's like, okay, you emit, uh, you know, uh, one, uh, you know, five tons a month or something like mm-hmm. that. And then it, it actually uh, figures out with a, um, a couple of organizations that we work with in almost every country around the world, how much it will cost for them to go and plant trees on your behalf and offset those carbon emissions. And you just pay for it. Exactly. And so you pay, it's automatic. You pay every month. So it's like $5, $10, whatever it is, however much it is to plant the, the equivalent Five. amount of trees. And then that uh, organization will go and send volunteers out to go and plant those trees. So what's the reason that, like, if you're capable of finding funding, what's the reason that you haven't pushed this yet? Um, so... Because it sounds to me like it's something that people want. <laughs> I think certain people want it. I think people who care about the environment and care about their impact on this earth want it. And so me, for instance, I am constantly concerned about, you know, every time I get an Uber, I'm like, Christ, I'm just ruining the planet right now. Uh, (laughs) Two of us. Is that how you really think? I really do. Yeah. I I think about the, I try anyway to think about the long-term impacts of of what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, And by the way, I I should mention this neutral is not the only app to do this. There are a lot of apps out there where if you go to their, not apps, sorry, there are a lot of websites out there where if you go onto their website, you can, um, but no apps. Well, yeah. So if you go to their website, you can donate like a once off, like I want to pay $10 to reduce to plant a tree, to plant a tree. Yeah. To plant 10 trees or whatever. But yeah, I think the problems that I've sort of tried to identify is that first of all, nobody knows how much they emit. And second of all, I want to be able to do this continuously, not once off. Mm. So, uh, does it also give you like tips of like, okay, well, you're like a heavy meat eater, mm-hmm. like co- maybe like a combination style. So, like, you need to get you can try, I know, right? You can she, try, you know, eating meat four times a week instead of five times a week, and then your subscription would be ten dollars less that's, or that's something. That's so cute, baby. Know? I'd love that. Like a little paper Because not everyone man. also has money. Maybe like, like a koala. Microsoft Word, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just give me tips. You know, <laughs> a little koala being like, hey, man. So, I mean, right now it's only apparent during sort of the questionnaire process, like where you could reduce, but that's absolutely something I want to do is that like, here are some things that you can do in your daily life. If you don't want to spend as much, like here are some things that you can do to just reduce it generally, like, and Mm. just live slightly more sustainably. Do you know Jay can write code as well? And also like a a business version. (laughs) So the um, sustainability committee that I was on, we found it. Uh, quite difficult in the beginning to actually find like information about you know how we can as an organization um, you know reduce our carbon footprint yep. um, so I feel like businesses would find that really interesting as well like what's your full-time equivalent um, you know what's your energy rating mm-hmm. do you have a communal garden or something you know whatever 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 yep. and then organizations as well could you know, potentially use that app and, and offset their carbon yeah. emissions. So there's one really good company that is doing what essentially that the neutral is doing right now called Project Ren, which you should look up. And essentially mm-hmm. they, they do a very similar thing where you, you know, fill out a questionnaire, whatever. Um, the reason I sort of started neutral is because you can only on Project Ren you could only donate to three programs and I think they're all in the US. Oh no sorry they're all in oh. they're sorry, they're all in specific African countries. So say Ethiopia, okay. Zimbabwe and something else. Yeah. Um, I know there is another Y Combinator backed company. Y Combinator is a startup accelerator and, mm-hmm. and uh, incubator. Um, there is another company in the US that is trying to solve the problem of like business level um, carbon footprint reduction. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, essentially the reason that I, I went about neutral is because not only do I want to be able to do all this on an app, I want to be able to pick which country that I want to invest in, you know, from a much broader range. Right. So yeah. I'm able to actually invest in Australia replantation or, right. or New Zealand or whatever. Um, because I think rather than three, I think we've got closer to like, uh, 20, I think countries wow. that you can invest in. Yeah. Just because rather than partnering with one organization, we partner yeah. with like four. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's amazing, Hayden. Yeah. I hope you save our planet. <laughs> yep. Thanks. I hope so too. <laughs> I'll, and, do my, I'll do my uh, best. And Jade, just so you know, is always looking for extra paid work. So anytime <laughs> that you feel like she can be of service to you, please hit her up. No worries. So um, I'll get your Twitter handle after this so I can <laughs> put you guys in contact, okay? Uh, yeah. Since... She's always looking for work, so. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Isn't that right, Boo I've got plenty no, of oh, For those of you listening, some, <laughs> some dirty, dirty glances going on. Right <laughs> the only people listening is my mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> hi, Denny's mom. <laughs> Hayden says hi, mom. Nice She's to see awesome. you again. Oh, you have met her. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, man, thank you so much for your time tonight. Yeah, no worries at all. And um, I, I would love to actually have you on again to, to, to talk about some other stuff. I didn't even get into crypto with you. Oh, yeah, sorry. That, that especially, especially now with COVID and... Uh, where money is going and cash money seems to be leaving. I'm very fascinated by crypto and, and how much I should be invest. But maybe I can press the bell on here. I can. I can later on. I can pretend to know what I'm talking about. For yeah, later, hour. later. On. <laughs> you can give me the boss first. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Thank you, folks. Au revoir.